And he says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, truly, truly, or the King James would say, verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, everybody say baptism, and born of the Spirit, say the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what Pentecost really is. It's about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's the outpouring of His Spirit. In fact, it goes on to say, see, you can't take one verse away. you got to understand that probably the most oft-quoted verse in the entire Bible might very well be uh, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you have heard that verse before? How many of you quoted that verse before? Understand, you can't get there without the first part of John that says except a man be born again and born of the water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven let's talk about what is the Holy Ghost I want you to close your eyes right now Father we are standing in your presence and we are standing where your glory is and I pray right now that as we go into your word your word that is quick and powerful sharper than any two edged sword that is able to divide asunder our lives and get down into the very deepest parts of who we are God, if there is anyone here that does not have the gift of the Holy Ghost or is asking questions about the gift of the Holy Ghost or wondering what the Holy Ghost is, would you allow their heart, their mind, and their soul to be sensitive to what your word is about to reveal? I pray, God, that you would move. And would you allow, by the time we get done with your word, would you let your word be shown with signs, wonders following your word? And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. The, the Bible begins to start, and I uh, will we'll start in the book of Luke, chapter 3, and verse 16. It's John the Baptist that came. He's the forerunner of Jesus' earthly ministry. John the Baptist walks onto the scene. It seems as if he appears out of the wilderness. He's dressed in camel hair. He ate locusts and honey. He was a wild-looking man. But he begins to preach and he says this in John chapter 3 and verse 16. He says to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but there is one mightier than I that comes whose latchet or whose buckles I'm not even worthy to unloose and he, the one coming after me, he shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. John, another way to see that is how Matthew recorded the description of what it said he records the words of John the Baptist I indeed baptize you with water under repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear and he shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire the understanding is is that about the same time that that John begins to say these words he looks up and here comes Jesus walking and you have that incredible picture in the word of God where Jesus walks down to where John the Baptist is probably somewhere close to the Jordan River and says John I need you to baptize me John says no no why don't you baptize me? You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. I, why, why don't you do it? And Jesus says, no, just, just hear me out. 
So John baptizes Jesus into the Jordan River and then the heavens open. It looks like a dove descending down and God begins to speak, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's the start of an earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. But John pegged it right from the beginning. I'm baptizing you into repentance. But when Jesus comes, there's going to be a Holy Ghost and a fire that falls. It's a stirring in my soul that we've got to remind people the Holy Ghost is real. There's a stirring in my soul. i got to keep preaching it until the day Jesus calls me home. The Holy Ghost is real. We talk about it. We sing about it. We teach about it. But I want it to happen. Every time we get together in a Sunday morning, I want the Holy Ghost to be present. Every time we come together on a Sunday night, I want the Holy Ghost to move. On a Wednesday night service, I want the Holy Ghost to move. In our Sunday school classes, in our Sunday, our, our, our jam, I want it to happen. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to see it. Some says the Holy Ghost is not biblical. That's stupid. And I don't mince those words. I tell you, it's stupid. It's about like saying you can lie and make it to heaven. I mean, have you not? Re- I've had people tell me that. You can lie. God what, what doesn't, you know, he'll, he'll forgive you. Everything's good. And I just kind of smile. I say, have you ever checked out that verse that says all liars shall have their place in the lake of fire? It doesn't say it any plainer than that. But those that say the Holy Ghost is not biblical obviously have never ra- read the Bible. Others say that, that it's not for us today. And I hope before today is over, we'll show you the Bible says it's absolutely for this today. It is not some new phenomenon. It's not some new thing that happened just recently. In fact, 90 times in the King James Bible, the word Holy Ghost is mentioned. And seven times it uses interchangeably Holy Spirit. I want His Spirit so I want to look to scripture to tell you a few things about what the Holy Ghost is. First off, it's a gift. Luke chapter 11 verse 9. And I say to you, ask and it shall be opened, or, or ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a man, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that's a father, would that father give him a stone? If he ask a fish, would he give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, would he give him a scorpion? Not exactly sure why scorpions are here so much today. We're eating them and now we're preaching about them. How many of you have heard that verse? Let me ask you this. How many have heard that verse? Ask, knock, seek. Now I've preached it. Brother Miller, it can be preached this way. I believe that we can ask the Lord for a need. We can ask the Lord for something, and he will give it to us. I believe that. But again, let me remind you, you cannot take a verse out of the Bible and let it stand on its own. Let me tell you what asking and seeking and knocking, first off, represents. Ask, and you'll uh, be given to you. Seek, you'll find it. Knock, and it will be open on you. And if you, verse 13, this is the very next verse, verse 13. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? The ask, the knock, and the seek refers first to the Holy Ghost. Just ask Him. It's a gift. Seek it. You'll find it. 
This is what happens when people start reading the Word of God. I love it when someone who, 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 if you'll allow me to use the word, a new convert or a new believer or someone who's just starting on their journey, they'll, they'll come to you and they'll say, man, I've been reading my Bible and it says this and I, I've never heard it that way. Would you help me explain or explain to me what that means? It's because they are seeking and when you seek through the Word of God, you're going to find it. Ask, seek, not. And the Holy Ghost is yours. It seals our salvation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, In whom you have trusted after that you heard the word of truth, that the gospel of your salvation, in whom after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. It's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of God. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it seals your eternity. It's not that you've walked into your eternity yet. I received the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. I'm now 40. And by the way, they don't make them like they used to. I just read something uh, today that there is a light bulb that was created, I believe, in 1908, and it's still burning today. I get by light bulbs, not LEDs, but I go by incandescent light bulbs and they last about 30 minutes because they don't make them. Well, obviously, as we get older, they don't make me the way they used to because I turned 40 and the day I woke up, I decided that I needed plantar fasciitis. So if you see me uh, limping around a little bit, it's because I turned 40 and it starts breaking down. My breakfast cereal is snap, crackle, pop when I get out of bed. But, but I received it when I was 8 years old. Now, 32 years later, it sealed me to the day he comes back. It's letting me know, Brandon, you were born of the water. You were born of the Spirit. And I've got you in my hand. And I'm waiting for the day that I come to that golden, uh, that, 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 that uh, eastern sky and I blow the trumpet. And I'm going to call you home. Brandon, just hold on to that promise of the Spirit. I will come again. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. It is a sealing of your life. It's also a promise. I want to spend some time on this, a promise. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, and then here's the promise. We've already talked about it, but let me remind you. Here's the promise. There is one coming after who will baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. It's Jesus standing up on the last day of that great feast in John chapter 7 when he began to say, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. He was promising the Holy Ghost is coming. It's John chapter 14, and I'm going to come back to this in depth, but I want to just kind of get it in your mind. John chapter 14, if any man love me and will keep my words, my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. And verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have told you. It's a promise 
that was hinted all the way back in the Old Testament when Joel said, and it will come to pass afterwards, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. John chapter 20 in verse 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he shows him his hands after the crucifixion and he shows him his side and the disciples were glad they had seen the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you. As the Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now this is not the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You'll see it here in a minute. But it was God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ who breathed. The, uh, one translation of that breathing says it was almost like just a, it's a puff if you will. The Holy Ghost. If you translate that word spirit, the spirit in the Greek is pneuma. It means a breath or a blast or a breeze. And you'll see it here in just a moment when we get to Acts chapter 2 and we talk about a rushing mighty wind. What Jesus did there in John chapter 20 is he just gave them a glimpse of what was about to happen. He just gave them a little puff when in just a few days later it would be a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and they would recognize what was coming. But see, so many times we think of the Holy Ghost as an event. We look at it as a check mark in our bucket list, a merit badge like the scouts may have, or a colored belt like you get in karate as you reach different levels. But the Holy Ghost is not just an event. The Holy Ghost is not just a, a one-moment experience in your life, and that's all you got to think about. I want to tell you what the Holy Ghost is in Jesus' own words. And so I hope you have your Bible with you. You know I, I love carrying a real Bible. If you've got your phone, use it. But you really need to get you a real Bible. One you can write some notes in it. One you can go back to and see it there. But if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 14? I'm going to read it. And I'm going to break a few times there as I read it. And I'm going to just tell you a few things that I want you to recognize. John chapter 14 starts like this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself that where I am, you may be also. Okay, let's, let's do a little, little schooling. We use pronouns. The pronouns, have you noticed? I, 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 my. Who's speaking? Jesus. Jesus says, if I go, I will come again. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, I will come again. Jesus said, where I am, you may be also. And then verse 4, and, whether I, and whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, Thomas speaks up and he says Lord we don't know where you're going how can we know the way I mean Jesus you you literally just died and you're 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 you know you're 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 gonna disappear and then you're gonna show back up and we have no idea what's going on and Jesus looks to Thomas and he says I am the way the truth and the life 
and no man can come unto the Father but by me. Again, I want you to look at how he said it. And Jesus doesn't make mistakes, and the Word of God carries no mistakes inside of it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I'm the only way. And then he goes in verse 7, if you have known me, you should have known the Father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip still, he's trying to figure this all out. And he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Philip's confused. He's saying, you're saying we should know God. How can I know God? Show me let me see God and then I will know him. And Jesus says to him in verse 9, Philip, have I been so long time with you and yet you don't know me? Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show me the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? If I could say that positively, he would have said, Believe that I am the Father, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Listen to me very carefully. It would have said something entirely different if he would have just said one of those phrases. If he would have said, I am in the Father, and ended it there, or if he would have said, the Father is in me, then it would have been very different. But he said both of those statements because he is trying to explain to these disciples who still don't get it that Jesus Christ is the manifestation of God Almighty. I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. You can't separate one from the other. And verily, verily, verse 12, he says, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, then that he will do also in greater work shall he do because I go to my Father, listen to me very carefully, it all boils down to this, believing in Jesus Christ. Everything about us, I've been preaching about it as long as I can remember. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection is paramount to our salvation. And he says, whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Watch verse 16. And I will pray to the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The backstory here is Jesus is talking to disciples that have walked or been with Jesus almost every day for over three years. And now they are seeing something changing. They're petrified that he, he's been talking about going away. He's been talking about, you know, I, I'm not going to be here. And now they're realizing I'm going to lose my Jesus. He, he's going to disappear somehow. What am I going to do? They're crying. They're, 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 they don't know how to explain it. And so Jesus says, I'll pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that may abide with you forever. So the Father is going to bring a comforter to give him some peace. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
So how is this world, when the comforter comes, how is the world not going to know it? Jesus said, they're not going to recognize it because they didn't know me and they're not familiar with me and they're not looking for me. And so when it comes, they know what it is. But I will be there. Watch verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Here's the key, verse 16 and verse 18. The Father will give you a comforter, and then second, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. It's the same thing. There's not two comforters. There's not one from the Father and one from Jesus because those two are one. It's one comforter. Jesus is going to come again. Yet in a little while, the world will see me no more, verse 19 says. But you will see me because I live, you shall live also, And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Hmm. How can I get Jesus in me? How can I get that comforter in me? How can I explain that? How does it all work? Jesus says, he that hath my commandments and keeps them is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas said to him, this is not Judas Iscariot, but another one. Judas said to him, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not unto the world? How are you going to show yourself to us but nobody else see it? Great question. Jesus answered and said to him, if any man love me and keep my words... My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And these things have I spoken to you, yet being present with you. But, now here's where it all wraps up. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Are you watching it? The comforter that God is going to send. The comforter that Jesus says, I am going to be there and give you comfort. The comforter, it's the Holy Ghost. It's everything that God is. It's everything that the manifestation of Jesus showed. He said, I will come again. So you fast forward just a few days, a few weeks. Disciples are in in Jerusalem. Jesus has left the building. It's Acts chapter 1 where he brings them up to that mountain, and as they're looking, he goes away. He goes back. The the angel says, hey, why are you staring? Go to Jerusalem. Wait for the promise. What promise? The promise of the comforter, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of what God was talking about. And so they go, they, they, for a while they think they're alone. They, they don't maybe uh, know what the next day is going to hold, but they're in the upper room. And I'm going to get to that here in a moment. But they're in the upper room. They begin to experience everything that God spoke. That promise came to pass. No one had to explain it. Again, I'm going to I'm gonna get to the verse, but let me just put you out. No one had to explain it. When the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2, you didn't see Peter and James and John going, what is this? I, I, 
I wish I had somebody to tell me. They didn't have to. They knew immediately what it was because it was. They were intimately familiar with it. Jesus said, "If I go, I will come again. I won't leave you comfortless." And when that Holy Ghost fell in the upper room, it was as it was as if Jesus Himself slipped right back into their lives, and they recognized it because they had been with Jesus before. The problem was all those on the outside. You got that picture, brother Mike? I know I told you you can put it at the end, but. Throw up that picture. Now, this is the wailing wall in Jerusalem. And this happens to be a certain prayer. I don't know all the details, but and that's just a small part. But you see how many people's in that picture? I got to thinking about this. I looked at some pictures of some of the, the modern-day Jewish festivals that are going on. And if you go to Jerusalem in their modern-day festivals on the day of Passover and, and all of that, you will find scenes like this where they are packed around them. Now, that, that wall, that would have been part of the old temple, and they would be packed around the wall, thousands upon thousands of Jews that are coming so that they can celebrate the festival. If this is what the Jews do today when there is no temple and there is no high priest and there is no day of atonement, can you imagine how full Jerusalem would have been when the temple still there and they're still doing it this is what it would have looked like on the day of Pentecost and there in an upper room that was close by when the Holy Ghost fell on the disciples and then they start worshiping God and they start speaking with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance a group like this would have been outside and they would have been going what in the world is going on and they asked that question oh man those guys up in the upper room they must be drunk they are acting like crazy people, kind of like you saw today at our own church. They're dancing and shouting and they're worshiping and, and, and they're, they're going nuts. It's because those out onlookers needed explanation because they didn't know Jesus. That's why Peter had to preach a whole message about Jesus whom you crucified. They had to be introduced to the Holy Ghost. The disciples, they knew what it was all about because Jesus had promised them, I will come again and I won't leave you comfortless I will be the comforter and if you want to you can call it the Holy Spirit because God is a spirit and it's the spirit of God coming down in our hearts I'm in Christ Christ in me but let me back up a moment let me take you back to where I started John chapter 3 would you allow me to read it a little bit more in depth now there's a man from, from and there, now there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night. And he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless Jesus, unless God is with him. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus replies, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. And this is what I want you to pay close attention to. Verse 8. For the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. If you're born of the Spirit, it's like a wind. 
And you may not know where it comes from and you may not know where it's going, but you're going to hear the sound. And so is that everyone that's born of the Spirit will hear that. And so I take you then to the book of Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one accord in one place suddenly they're watching suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind I hear it and I'm just thinking that when Peter was sitting there or praying there or standing there whatever was happening and he began to hear the sound of a wind he began to look up and he began to think hey I remember what Jesus told Nicodemus he said everyone that's born of the spirit it's like a wind that blows in you don't know where it comes from I can't tell you where it's going but I can hear the sound and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where there were Sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat down on each one of them and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and they had been filled with everything that Jesus told them was coming. He said we hear it. Now between verse 5 and verse 6 there's something that takes place. It's not recorded in the Bible, and I'm not adding to the Bible. I just know how human nature works. You ready? They didn't walk out of that place and just immediately jump to the upper room, balcony, or wherever it was and preach to that big crowd that was there. Put that picture back up, Brother Mike. They didn't just walk out. I promise you. They began to look at each other, and they said, This is that. This is what we've been waiting on. This is what Jesus was prophesying. This is what Jesus was promising. This is that comforter. We're not alone anymore. Hey, James, we're not alone anymore. We may not have Jesus walking beside us, but there's something different. It's not Jesus beside me. It's not Jesus in front of me, but it's Jesus within me. This is that. This is that I can only imagine. They begin to dance. They begin to grab one another and say, Hey, I got it. I got it. And I understand that everything that he promised, it's mine. It seals me. It redeems me. It saves me. And they're walking up. Because this is how I envision it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But this is how I envision it. They look at each other and they say, Hey, maybe we need to go do what what, what Jesus said. I think I'm going to go... Uh, James, let's go find one of these these pool, pool Siloam, pool of Bethesda. Let's go baptize us. And they walk out to go baptize them. And there's this out there. And Peter says, I can't. It can't be just for us. It can't be just, just for these 120 that are in the upper room. It's not just for Peter and James and John and Thaddeus. It's not just for Mary, the Marys that were there. It's so much more. And so he begins to preach. And he has to preach. He has to start from the beginning. Let me tell you. Listen to me. This is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Even Peter at this point did not realize the importance of what he just said when he said all flesh. He says, men of Israel, hear the words 
Let me tell you about Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, signs, and wonders. And you delivered him up. You crucified him. You killed him. And Peter begins to preach about Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel. He's telling them about all of it. He says in verse 33 that Jesus was raised up. You're all witnesses. Now here's verse 33. He's exalted. He's received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he's poured out that promise of the Holy Spirit. And you yourselves are hearing it and you're seeing it. Fire fell and the tongues were loosed. So I'm telling you today that God has made both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified and they heard this verse 37 and they were cut to the heart they were convicted they were pricked something began to happen I, I can only tell you what happens in my life it's like my heart begins to beat out of my chest it's like God is squeezing the very heart until I don't know what to do with it and they said we can't just sit here and do nothing so men and brethren what must we do? Peter stands up and he says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission and forgiveness of your sins and you shall, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and he kept talking and he kept preaching and one by one in that crowd almost 3,000 of a crowd that would have looked similar to that they begin to say I want it they begin to lift up their hands and the day of Pentecost happened all over again and wind began to blow and the Holy Ghost became come and all across a crowd like that they begin to lift up their hands and they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and they were filled with the Holy Ghost Almost 3,000 of them were baptized that day. What a baptismal service that must have been. It was the most incredible thing. And it didn't stop there. I challenge you. You got to start going through the word of God. You got to start seeing all the things that happen. And I'm not, I don't have time to go through it all. But I do want to take you to the book of Acts chapter 10. When, when Peter, the thing that he preached on, on Pentecost, he said the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. Joel said that, that, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Up until Acts chapter 10, the Holy Ghost had only fallen on Jews. But there was a man named Cornelius in Caesarea, a centurion of the Italian band, a man that feared God gave his offerings and prayed continuously. And I've preached messages about this, that even good men need God. Someone says, well, you know, Pastor, I'm not a dirty, rotten sinner. I, I, I love God. I pray to God. I worship God. I give my alms to God. I'm going to look at him and say, awesome, you still need the Holy Ghost. Because Acts chapter 10 says this good man needed God and through a vision and through a lot of things that happened Peter goes to Cornelius' house and he begins to preach to them and he begins to speak to them and as he is preaching and as he is speaking the Holy Spirit fell on all that heard the words and there were some Jews that were with Peter that came with him and they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the Gentiles and here's how they knew for they heard them speaking in tongues 
and extolling God. And Peter said, well, hey, if God's going to put the Holy Ghost on a bunch of, uh, 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 of Gentiles, then how can we forbid them water? And so they baptized them in Jesus' name. And the Holy Ghost fell in Caesarea. I could go on and on through the book of Acts, but you'll find that every time the Holy Ghost fell, there was something that got the attention of those that were around because the Holy Ghost from the very beginning, uh, John chapter 3, says you're going to hear the sound when the Holy Ghost comes. And today, I'm here today to tell you that that Holy Ghost is as real right now as it was on the day of Pentecost, as it was for those in the Cornelius' house, and he's here today. And I want us to stand all across this building, and what I want us to do right now is I want us to begin to lift our hands, and we're going to together, we're going to begin to repent. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, there's three things that happen. You repent, you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you already have the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you've already been baptized. I want us just to begin to repent right now as a body. I can't repent for you, and you can't repent for me. So I wonder if we could just set the stage by saying, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. And God, I magnify you with all of my soul. And I want so much for your presence to be in my life and I know that you're not willing to dwell in dirty vessels and while I may not can make myself clean I do know this I can say to you forgive me of all my unrighteousness forgive me of all the things that I have done every word I've said that was idle every word that I've said that was not of God every action that I've done that displeases you Lord I'm asking that you would allow me to do everything humanly possible to prepare my heart for the infilling of your Holy Spirit God I'm needing you to come down I'm needing you to cleanse me I'm needing you to renew my life I'm needing you to speak life to me I need that comfort in my life I need you to walk with me and walk beside me and be in me every day 